flash back. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Molly Glover, Nick Glover, and Tim Wick. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we're talking about good omens. We talk about everything. The book, the Amazon Prime show, and especially that series two ending. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Molly Glover, joined as always by my co-hosts, Nick Glover. Hey! And Tim Wick. Well, hello. And today, we're talking about Good Omens Season 2, the Netflix show? Netflix. No. Yeah. Amazon no, Prime. It's, it's Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. The Amazon Prime show that it's a very big difference between the two. Well, they're streaming services, I know. It's right? a streaming yeah. service. It's hard to keep them straight. Yeah. And it's event, on the internet. It's on the internet. We're talking about Good Omens 2, season two. If you have not seen it, uh, probably don't listen to this one. Give it a miss. Come back when you've seen it because we're going to spoil everything. Yeah, and I don't, we never had an episode about Good Owens season one, did we? I don't think we did. Did we not? No, I don't think so. Well, then I guess so. we're talking about the whole damn thing. All of Good Owens. Oh, so, I'm so rusty on the first season. I beyond. guess, yeah, we'll, no. just, we'll, just, we'll just talk about the book and the show and the everything. I like the first season. It, the first season was great. I agree. All right, let's get into it. So the first season, what do you remember? You liked it. I remember they had a bunch of the different timelines and a bunch of the different characters like the book did. Mm-hmm. It was very uh, faithful the, the, to the book. The witch, the witch finder. It was a good update, though, mm-hmm. too. Um, the witch finder and, and yep. all that jazz. The prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Yep. So yeah. The last descendant of Agnes Nutter mm-hmm. and everything. And the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the baby swap. The boy and the dog. Yep. Yep. That was that was all very good. I loved the first season, truly. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was yeah. really great. Um the uh, the the portrayals of both Crowley and Aziraphale are make this show. Yeah, I mean truly. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. They 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 cast uh, exceptionally well. Not not too much of a surprise, right? When you've got David Tennant and um, it's Michael Sheen, right? Michael yep. Sheen, yeah. yep. And there's they're like an old married couple together. So they are. I mean, even just the two guys. Like we talked yeah. about. I think we talked about briefly mentioned that uh, that uh, Zoom show they did. Right. Uh, over the pandemic, that was so great. Right. Um, act, they are playing actors. They're playing themselves. Playing aren't they? themselves. Yeah, they're yeah. playing heightened versions of themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've seen when they do press junket stuff together, and they they take the piss out of each other all the time in very yeah. loving ways. It's very cute. Clearly friends. Yes. Uh, it also has John Hamm and Miranda Richardson, uh, a bunch of people that I recognize, uh, but couldn't put a name on necessarily like uh, yeah the there were a lot of people that i'm like oh she was probably in a doctor who yep, episode yep absolutely yeah so yeah i, I like season one t- as well nick uh, tim have you read the book yes actually i've read the book it was a long time ago so um i don't have super clear knowledge of it but uh actually what was interesting and we watched good omens as a family both uh alex Devin and and also pat and i we all watched it together mm-hmm and um, it was uh, really interesting because Alex had read the book and he was like, oh, I remember this because he had read it really recently. Yeah, we reread um, it recently before watching it, too. Just I before the first yeah. season came out. He was like, oh, yeah, I remember this part. And Pat, who is way better at remembering shit than I am when it comes to stories, 
talked a lot about about the parts that she was like oh yeah this is this is great and they changed this and and she didn't she she i think uh you know no nobody in our house that had read the book felt like any of the changes they made in season one were particularly egregious agreed um it was you know, it was updated like nick said it, yeah true to the same characters true to the spirit of the story absolutely yeah, I, I really loved it. Uh, and I'm really sensitive to book adaptations, especially when it's a book I love. And they actually did a really good job with the footnotes, which surprised me because the oh, footnotes yeah. in Good Omens are such a key part of the way the book is mm-hmm. written and the way the story is told that I was worried they weren't going to be able to make that happen. And they did a great job it's, with that. It's like the the entries from the Hitchhiker's Guide in Hitchhiker's mm-hmm. Guide of the Galaxy and how they incorporated those into the movie, mm-hmm. the most recent movie as well. Yeah. Like I, I, I like the way they do that yeah um i felt like in series two uh i don't know what happened (laughs) like (laughs) but i don't i didn't enjoy it as much Hmm. at all i felt like the story was really simplistic and not very interesting and i felt like uh both uh, michael sheen and david tennant were like just chewing up scenery tenant the most like in a way that didn't feel it felt like a caricature of the character he had been doing in the first season and it felt i don't know i don't know how else to explain it it just didn't it just didn't feel right to me the the second season is definitely a lot smaller um in terms of like scope and scale the first sure. season has multiple timelines a, a bigger cast of, of characters that are you know actually critical to the plot mm-hmm. um this is a much smaller story That's and it's true. not based on something so it's you know an original story i guess and it it kind of feels like it was created to be fan service i would like like I to like like the internet was like like these two need to be together, God damn it! Like these two, you know, fulfill our wishes, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that, obviously. But like, it seems like that was the the motivation for the show in part. I mean, maybe it's it's interesting because, and I can't remember again. This is something that that Pat, Pat and Alex were talking about. There is at the end of Good Omens, it is very clear if you understand the reference that they're making that. Zarafel and Crowley are a couple. Absolutely, yes. it's yes. it's not fan service at all. It's, no, it's, it's it's that's not the part that I thought. Was seeing fanservice. seeing it happen yeah. on um, like just a hint or just a, a a nod to it isn't enough. People need to see it, and that's right. that's fine to want absolutely. But like just to making a show to it seems like the show's purpose was that to me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, again, I will speak for my household in that that uh, we all we all thought it was really interesting. And uh, while I don't think it's as good as the first season, I think part of that is is because the first season is based on the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book was a collaboration between Neil between Neil Gaiman and Terry pa- Pratchett. Season two cannot be a collaboration between right. Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And no matter how good a writer Neil Gaiman is. Uh, it's going to it's going to have a different voice when it's only his. I think for me a big part of it I I had no problem with I love Crowley and Azarafel together. I it's actually one of the reasons I didn't like this season was cuz I didn't really like the way it was it felt like it was being drawn out like they weren't a couple. 
and they were going to have to be a couple. You know, it just, I don't know. It felt like it was like a, I don't like when ro- romantic movies force people to not talk to each other in order to achieve their, uh, the romantic tension. That bothers me a lot. That's one of the reasons I don't like rom-coms. I generally don't like movies with a romance plot because what they usually do is the characters don't tell each other how they feel because that's where the cool romantic tension comes in and everyone's like, oh my gosh, will they or won't they? And that, but I don't know. I don't enjoy that. Sure. I also really just didn't like the whole, oh, I'm confident that these two women are going to be in love and so we're going to make that happen. Uh, that... It just felt weird to me. I don't know. It didn't feel... Maybe if I was a person who enjoyed romance movies, I would have... I wouldn't feel as creepy to me, but it it felt creepy to me that this woman who has a a partner and is struggling with her partner and having a whole problem, they're just relentlessly setting her up with another woman and then without even talking to her or knowing anything about her other than the blonde one likes her. That's really all. I don't know. Well, and I think um, there's a scene in the final episode where they, they kind of say this yeah. was not okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> which, but they you know, say it's so cutesy. They say it's so cutesy <laughs> and, and it's after the fact and now they're kind of together. And it's and, like, okay, yeah. though, and, finger and they, wag. And they say it very much in a way where it's like, it's an, it seems like an inevitability or like that they will be, be together. They're endeared by it, too. Right. They're like, you guys, you can't do this to people. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't have the same ring. Um, but I, I loved John Hamm. Yeah, I did too. That and was actually what I was going to mention yeah. is that I thought, I, I, I thought the Gabriel storyline was really, really interesting. It's like, I did not know where it was going to go. We all kind of figured it out about five minutes before it was revealed. Yeah. Um, th- th- that must be where they were going, but it, not until then. Yeah. Um, and I thought, uh, just because it was such a major shift from who Gabriel had been in the first season season and yes. who, who Gabriel is in the books. That was really interesting. It, it made that character kind of fun. And John Hamm seemed to be having a, a yeah. he, he was hamming it up. <laughs> oh. well, and I, here's, I mean, again, I really loved, even though it came out of left field, the romance between Gabriel and Beelzebub. I liked the way they showed that because they showed it happening organically and they showed it happening as people getting to know each other and then, you know, falling for each other. And and that was very sweet. It just felt so different from the way they were like, like, it, I don't know. It made me think of like on The Simpsons where it's like, everyone's getting married. The dog's marrying the cat. And like, you know, like <laughs> this, the salt and pepper shakers are married. Like just, it just felt, I don't know. I, that that whole the final episodes, I feel like they kind of just explained the ending, and the ending didn't happen. Does that make sense? Um, mm. Like there wasn't like a a big thrilling conclusion. Not that we always need one, but like there wasn't this tension that the world is going to end. There wasn't any sort mm, of a. Um, uh, the, the closest thing we get to that, I think, is like I think it's the penultimate episode. When the demons are breaking into the bookshop, but then like they hold off a horde of demons with a couple of fire extinguishers and by throwing books at them and they're, they're pretty inept and pretty helpless. And it, it, it was just a little too fucking goofy for me. They like, do say the demons are the bottom of the barrel. Like they yeah, make that these clear. Are, sure. yep. These are, these are bad demons. These are the <laughs> shit, shittiest demons they had. They are really, really 
Oh, like I know. Yeah, they are truly bad. I they I just I, think, I like how none of them were afraid of the circle that dis, like disembodies them and sends them into disapparates. the nether. But uh, they were all afraid to try to walk up the slippery stairs. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, I think um, and the I, I was not nuts about the way they kind of made the romance between Azarafel and, and Crowley like, oh, we have to define this again. It's like uh-huh. it felt like mm-hmm. it was defined at the end of season one. Agreed. And that they had to, you know, admit it at the end of the final episode. I'm like, well, I thought we we knew this. I yeah. thought they knew this. Yeah. I thought I thought that they'd known this for a lot longer than yeah. you know before the it's just it wasn't something that was talked about because it's not like, oh, I'm so glad we're a couple. They just are We've a couple. We've been together for thousands yeah. of years. <laughs> um millions. Yeah. But uh I think um, the the like trying to get the romance between the other two. I think there what I what I, I the reason that I liked it was because it really highlights the fact that they've been living amongst humans for a long time, but they are not human, and they still don't really get people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to get people, and certainly they get people better than you know. Gabriel and Michael and the other mm-hmm. angels in heaven and better than Beelzebub and, and Shax and the, and the demons and devils in hell, but they really still don't get humans. Sure. And so they're like trying to be helpful in their own way without really understanding how to be helpful. Uh, and I, and I thought that was okay. I think, um, you know, I agree that the stakes were smaller and I feel like, I mean, the show basically sets up a season three, even though it hasn't been green lit yet because yeah. nothing's getting green lit because everybody's on strike. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so, you know, you might hope that there's a bigger stay. I mean, it sounds like if the second coming is a thing in the next season, yeah. there might be bigger stakes. So let's talk about the ending. Uh, mm-hmm. What did like, how did you, what did you think about the ending? I have some very specific thoughts that I made Nick very aware of last night a couple times as I was stomping around the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the ending for uh, Gabriel and um, Beelzebub. Yep. And yeah, I like how, you know, some of the human stuff ends and um, it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of consequence or comeuppance for anyone who was kind of an antagonist like the other angels or demons or the demons really yeah. um some get disapparated by that circle and hit with books and that's that and that's fine some of them get promoted uh shacks gets promoted <laughs> yeah. there's not really anything and and i feel like the the angels and the demons are kind of the most interesting characters and the humans are where it kind of falls flat for me and so to then at the end you know, have like half of the angels and demons have kind of a, a satisfying ending and the other half kind of fizzling out to one degree or another to, I don't want to over speak what Molly's going to say. <laughs> um, but I just feel like um, the conclusion of the storylines for people, for, for most of the people wasn't very satisfying. And I realized some of that is because they're, they're hanging it on a third season, but I, I would rather have had like one more episode that and then told a more complete story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this feels like half done to me, and 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 yet too long at the same time, right? <laughs> what did you think, Tim? What What do you think of the 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 ending, where uh, people, especially but you know where people end up? I thought the ending uh, with uh, again Gabriel and and uh, Beelzebub. I, I liked that. 
I, I think that was my favorite thing about yeah. the entire mm-hmm. series, the, the Gabriel and Beelzebub storyline, even if we don't really know where it's going, but just thinking, mm-hmm. thinking back and, and, you know, the things that Beelzebub was doing, which make more sense when you sure. go, oh, mm-hmm. Beelzebub's doing it for a totally different reason. I don't, don't really, I'm actually trying to be careful about gendering them because they're angels and demons. They don't have yeah. gender, which is actually something that, uh, they that pronouns, Neil Gaiman. They use, pro, they use she, her pronouns they, for Beelzebub, though. Yeah. That's fair. But it, it's interesting. Neil Gaiman had actually said, because people were you know, saying that, that uh, Crowley and, and Azarephel, is a, it's a, you know, a gay relationship. And he's like, well, they're, they're technically, they don't have gender it's a mm-hmm. it's still a queer relationship it's still a queer relationship still a queer relationship <laughs> but it's not a, a gay relationship yeah, yeah um so i i thought that was that was really good um i thought the ending was remarkably unsatisfying mm. you know except to kind of go well it's setting up a season three but i think the problem is that it didn't set up season three in a particularly satisfying way no yeah um and uh, the the Metatron Deus Ex Machina was a little bit like I mean I recognized him as soon as I saw him in you the coffee too. shop. He looks just like the guy. We met. It's it's Derek Jacobi. It's the same you know. fucking actor with zero um, change. And if you know Derek Jacobi, I, when I saw him being being Metatron in heaven, I'm like, oh look, that's Derek Jacobi. They cool showed cameo. him earlier in the episode. Yeah, and so when everyone yeah. was like, who are you? I was like, is this a joke? Like, do they not recognize? But I thought maybe he was actually God. That was the only other thing that that's I. That's what I, I thought right. too. But yeah. Um. So I and 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 it's just the sort of what felt like a little bit of an artificial breakup of Crowley yes. and, and yes. Azarephel, um wasn't satisfying because I thought I, th- I, I mean, I get that Azarephel feels more affinity to heaven than Crowley does to hell. Yes. Right. Azarephel is hurt more by being separated from heaven because probably Crowley's been separated from heaven forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just in hell because, well, that's where he got to go because right. he decided he was, heaven was wrong. Yes. So I get that Azarephel would want to be brought back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't know that he would want to be brought back into the fold if it meant... Crowley wasn't going to be there. And this this is where my problem was because I felt like it was a complete character, sh- like a 180 for suddenly a Zarephel to not give a shit about earthly delights, being around humans, living in the world and being with Crowley. The fact that all of that was getting taken away and he was like, cool, I'm so excited to be in charge in heaven, which he'd never expressed wanting to do. He, he'd never expressed wanting to be in charge. He'd give up Bread and wine and his bookstore with all its books yeah. and Crowley for they something sh- that he's not really ever shown much interest in yeah. in the book or the show. It felt fucking manufactured and it made me really upset because it felt like they just like didn't even give a shit about the character. They just wanted to do something that would make people go <gasps> more. Like, they could have done exactly the same thing if if Aziraphale had gone back and been like, you know what? I uh, I'm going to say no. He's more important to me. I'm going to go be, I'm going to stay here and be with Crowley. And then uh, Metatron had been like, well, that's too bad. Our next project's the second coming. Ta-ta. 
Like yes, they could have done that exact yeah, same they thing. They could have done that. And that would have been the same thing, except without the stupid, like, oh no, they're separated. And like, I actually thought they were going to do that. I, I thought, did too. I, and even, even though I would have found that a little bit manufactured, I would have thought it was better because I don't, I didn't, I, I agree. I, it, it felt uncharacteristic for Azarafel. And, you know, maybe Azarafel's, because of his character, maybe they're, they, when they were writing it, they're like, well, he thinks he can fix it, right? He he recognizes that heaven's kind of broken, but he's like, well, if I can be uh, in charge, I can fix it. But he's never um, expressed that. That's true. And he he does some inc- uncharacteristic things in the show in the, in the final episode or two that I, I wasn't bothered by, just to give contrast. Like um, when he starts talking about some very specific rare books he has to lure people to yeah. the business meeting and including offering to, to give one away to the, the music uh, store guy. Like that is a very out of character thing for him that made sense. Yes. Because it was like, he's, he's, it's the leverage he has. He knows it's the perfect thing. It's, you know what he's been preparing for all these years in a sense, like mm-hmm. that made sense to me. Giving away a book or two. And Very we, uncharacteristic, but it made saw, sense. We saw how hard it was for him. Yes. It was a struggle for him to even consider lending one book. Right. Yeah. And now he's just walking away from the Whatever. entire bookstore without a fucking thought. Don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It didn't work for me. And that, honestly, it soured me on the rest of the of the series in a way that was disappointing because like, I, maybe I'll rewatch it some, maybe I'll rewatch it sometime, but I just felt... I just felt very let down by that. And it's like, it's not as bad, but it reminds me of watching the Dark Tower movie. Oh, uh, hmm. And if you've read the Dark Tower, there's if there's one thing you can say about the Dark Tower, it's that Roland pursues the tower from the very first sentence to the end at all costs. He doesn't care what he has to lose. He's going to the tower. And in the movie... Jake has to beg him to go to the tower to fight the and it's like that's how this felt to me. It was just like of all the things of I mean it almost it would almost have made more sense if they'd offered Crowley the chance to rule hell and with <laughs> you know and and Crowley just being like I'm going to shove all my emotions in a sack and not deal with this, you know, as opposed to Azarafel, who seems like all he's ever wanted this whole series is for Crowley to want to be with him and to tell him he likes him and, and, you know, to say it out loud, the quiet part. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I will say I did like the, um, I did like the, uh, stuff about the institutional failure. That uh, uh, the where what, he was like, you know, one, a, yeah, one fallen angel, like one big angel in power who falls is is a fluke. Two points to an institutional failure, mm. which is you know kind of great, you know the, which is also funny because they, I mean, because Lucifer is the first one, and then I guess I thought Crowley was also very high in the angels. Is that who they were talking about? No, they're talking about. So there's been more than one angel who's Gabriel. Well, Lucifer. that's the second one. Lucifer. Gabriel, Gabriel, and a legion of angels right. basically fell. There were there were angels. Lucifer and a legion were, of angels. Yeah, well, sorry, Lucifer. Yes. There were angels that followed Lucifer. But the, the what they're talking about is uh, like an angel on high or an whatever, archangel. like an archangel. Yeah, and so the Crowley first to fall was Lucifer. But Crowley was a, like a he dominion. Was a very highly Crowley ranked was dominion angel. or higher because the the cop girl is like, oh, I can't open this. You have to be right. dominion level or higher. Sure. And he goes, huh, and but, opens it, but which was very funny. They're talking specifically about why they can't cast 
Gabriel to hell. I understand that. Okay. And I'm asking, was they were they referring to Lucifer as yes. their other big failure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Because they've lost a lot it's, of high levels, but not yeah. as high. They're talking about the, the angel that is essentially God's right hand falling. And it right. happening once is a fluke, and it happening twice points to God picking bad angels to be his right hand and the whole system being bunk. Or... Or working for God being a bum fucking deal. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. Did I mean, he pick it, bad employees or is the job bad? <laughs> and I do yeah. have to say, I, I liked the uh, the Bobby Angel a lot. Um, I thought oh. she was she was, she was so cute. I think it was just Uriel. Uh, I think it's just Uriel. No M. Uh, Not that's, sure. That's the name of an angel. So if it's Muriel, I'll be surprised. But uh, that, that uh, yeah, she was a, an absolute fucking treat. Yeah. When she was like, like, are you trying to trick me? How could I be tricking you? You're the one arresting me. It is Muriel. Yeah, because Uriel is an angel, but would be much higher rank. Yeah, that's why I was surprised. Because Uriel is named in the Bible and only high rank angels. Then I would argue they did Bible. not really, they probably should have named her And it else. was very subtle. And they referred to them as Inspector Constable and the Dim One. But uh, Muriel is has they, them pronouns. Oh, good it was, to know. It was very subtle. They didn't really... Good to know. They they referred to them by so many other things that it didn't come up very often. I really, uh, I also really liked the way they had. Uh, I'm going to have to look to see that angel's name, but the one in the chair, the one in the mm-hmm. wheelchair, uh, they were fantastic. There was a part where they all, all the angels, did like a like a dramatic movement with their bodies to like get pulled. To like get sucked back up into heaven, and even uh, the actor in the chair did like a really dramatic like bounce with her shoulders that like fit with everybody else. It looked very cool. They did really good directing with them. Well, and I think it was it was great to go. All right, we're gonna put an angel in a wheelchair, and because uh, that's yeah. Liz, it's Liz Carr, and they because played Saraquel. We can totally do that, and yeah. I, th- that was great. Um, yeah, you know, I and I agree. The ending was a little. It, it, parts of it bothered me. I maybe maybe not as much as you, but I, I wasn't happy with with where it went, especially because it's like there's no guaranteed season three, and that was a terrible way to end a series. If that's yeah. that's yeah. the end, well, and um, it might be. That's the thing, and then that's it's frustrating because they know that. It, well, it's always maybe not. You're not sure, going to get sure, another sure. season, especially if, Neil Gaiman talks about that yeah. with his shows. If season three had you know had been agreed already, well, yeah. that's one thing, but uh, I, I don't think it has, and I think. And maybe they decide to end it on a cliffhanger so that the folks at Netflix would be like, yeah, well, now we have to. Um, I, or uh, Amazon Prime, yeah. excuse me. I uh, There was one moment that like Molly and I turned to each other and we were like, what the fuck? In like a very funny way. Um, so uh, when we were out at the Renaissance Festival as Beefcake and Olive, mm. we had this thing where um, like sometimes we'd have uh, patrons settle arguments for us or judge our activities. Or we would settle an argument for them by being their proxies. Right. And then, and so, you know, if we were like, oh, the, you know, this woman is correct and her spouse is wrong, Olive, as her proxy, will now do the apology dance. And it was a little dance. Oh, yeah. If you song. were wrong, you do the dance. You're like, was, you were right. I was wrong. You are smart. I am dumb. Like, you are attractive. attractive. I, I am unattractive. unattractive. Like, you were right. And I was wrong. Like, a big fancy and like, dance. And like, and we've been, we did that for like eight years oh, out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and they sure as shit do like the exact same. Like it's it was great. so. It was great. 
It was just like, haha, see, I knew what we did was funny. When he well, said, now you have to do the apology dance, we were like, what? And then he was like, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> it was well, I'm just going to say, listeners, that uh, for those of you that aren't aware, Neil Gaiman does, uh, lives not too far from the <laughs> Twin Cities. And actually, uh, his personal assistant played in a band out of the Renaissance Festival for several years. So it... You know, it could be. That's very could be. It was a very Neil Gaiman was visiting the Renaissance Festival one day and happened to witness your action, and it got got stored in his subconscious, and it actually was you that inspired that moment. Could be. There, there is. uh, There's another connection with uh, Neil Gaiman and the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, and that's that uh, in Sandman, uh, when Hop Gadling Mm -hmm. is and his girlfriend and his girlfriend go to the Renaissance Festival, and she's asking him what it's like. If it's like how it was for him back then, and he's remarking about how... Well, no, she doesn't know. He's just saying it. He's just saying... Yeah, to be more authentic, you'd need to hose everything down with shit. Yeah. Uh, He's like, this isn't how it was. And she's like, you don't know. The Renaissance Festival, as drawn, is the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, including some very uh, recognizable and notable actors from past of the festival. You know, my my, uh, Neil Gaiman story with the Renaissance Festival is that he was out watching his personal assistant's band one day at, at the pub where our band played. This was many years ago. And I just saw him there and I walked out and I was like, oh, Neil Gaiman's watching a show in our pub. <laughs> and one of our one of our uh, the members of the band at the time was like, Neil Gaiman? Oh my God, do you think it'd be okay if I went and asked for his autograph? And I said, no. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't, don't do, do that. that. And and the funnier thing is later, it turned out that particular individual had never read anything by Neil Gaiman <laughs> and just was like there's a celebrity in oh, our pub and I want oh, an autograph. <laughs> Even worse. So Even crazy. worse. And that that's uh that's uh why it's not always great to be on Neil Gaiman. Yeah, Neil yeah. Gaiman, they tell me you're famous. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what you like to hear. All my friends really like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fantastic. I so I mean, I I also will say uh I half predicted to Nick what was going to happen at the end of this series. Before, not even based on what was happening in the in the episodes we'd seen, because we had like three to go, and based on the reactions of my friends and the posts they were making, which were no spoilers, but I have to have a season three, or oh my god, I need season three. Nobody like, understands oh my that god, that is I a spoiler. It. it doesn't matter. It wasn't even necessarily that it was a spoiler. I was like, oh, so there's a will they won't they with Azarafel and right. Crowley. Either they yeah. get together and they kiss, or they don't kiss, or they say they love each other and then they're separated. And it was just it's, like, I mean, obviously. It's not just the things that were said. It was also who was saying them that definitely colored that yeah, prediction. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I'm, I am going to say, I don't think people understand how the simplest statement like that can actually be a really big spoiler for yeah. somebody in I the I cried so hard. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah. Things will never be the same. Cool. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's a, it's kind of a weepy ending. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So now I, yeah. Um, that uh, that that is always disappointing to me. It's like if there no spoilers is, I enjoyed it. It was great, yeah. or I I didn't like it that much. Yeah, or uh, it has been watched, and if you want to talk about it, I would love you to reach out sure. to me. Sure, I'll take no that. spoilers yeah. is I watched the Barbie movie and Barbie was in it. Yeah, I watched the Barbie movie and wow, Ryan Gosling was great. Or holy shit, you guys do not sleep on the Barbie movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. Or, or uh, a rating. I give this a you yeah, know, a, yep. a B plus or whatever. That's my yeah. mom is infamous for being like, this isn't a spoiler, but I was just so excited to see, uh, you know, characters' mother played by actor. 
And it's like, oh, so that character's mom shows up? And it's like, yeah, but don't worry. She's only she's not going to be in it again. And it's like, so she dies? So she dies. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, no. I mean, she's just, ugh, don't worry. I'm trying not to spoil it for you. And I'm like, what? Are you? Why, then why, why did are you, you telling me mouth? this at all? Like, yeah. yeah uh, anyway, let us know what you thought about Good Omens seasons one and two. And the book, if you read the book. How do you feel about, you know, how series two was basically a brand new story? And, uh... I don't know. Let us know on Facebook. That's generally where you're going to be able to let us know things and we'll be able to see them easily. I will say that I was amused because a bunch of people are like, I can't believe Good Omens 2. They're just making up a whole new story. And Neil Gaiman's response was basically, you know, that's what we did with the first one, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. All words are made up. Yeah, exactly. All words are made up. All right. Well, it's time for five questions. Five questions. And today we have five answers from Matthew Markfort. Matt Markford. I'm going to go with Hi, that Matt. because that's how they signed their name. More formal. That's right. Yes. Less uh, formal. Well, it was less formal, yes. More, yeah, more personal. familiar. Yeah. Yes. So the, they sent in their five answers and they sent them uh, basically while we were at Convergence. So oh. it's entirely likely they were in the audience at our live show this hope year. Hope you enjoyed the live show, man. I hope so too, Matt. All right. So let's take it away. Question one. What's a game you played recently that you really enjoyed? I haven't played any games in a long while and that makes me sad. Aw, oh, Matt, that is sad. Wow. If you uh, need, uh, I don't know, tell me what kinds of board games you like, and we'll, we'll see if we can figure something out for you that you could play fast. Almost as sad as the ending of Good Omens Season 2. Spoiler! <laughs> oh. Matt, find a phone game. Keep your brain active. Do some yeah. Sudoku. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, uh, question two. What is a science fact or discovery you think is really fucking cool? The Jelly Welly Space Telly discovered new galaxies that have outmoded our current view of the Big Bang Theory. Their discovery of ancient, large, and old galaxies beyond the Hubble sphere seems to defunct the idea of a single Big Bang event. I have never heard of the Jelly Welly Space Telly. It it's sounds the James made Webb up. Space I think, uh, yeah, it's, oh. it's yeah because James, because James Webb was a. I get a it. It's like saying Taco Hell. Well, but it's <laughs> it's not saying it's not attributing it to a guy who was maybe not such a great guy. It turns out. Oh. And also, it's a it's a diminutive, cute nickname for a neat telescope. I like it. I'm gonna the Jelly Willy Space Telly. I'm going to say the Jelly Willy Space Telly from now on. Thank you, Matt. That's adorable. Question three: Where do you get your sense of right and wrong from? Because we know it isn't religion. Generally, my source of right or wrong comes from my activities in Boy Scouts, Mm. and I like to leave things better than I found them. There you go. That's a good motto. That is that basically is will get you through most situations. Yeah, take True take take only pictures, leave only footprints, tie some good knots. Don't be a b- dick. Burn some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, question Include number four. Include trans people. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, that's not Boy Scouts. Oh. <laughs> anyway, oh, not that one. Uh, question four: If you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for the rest of your life, what would you choose? A bathroom cleaning bot would be awesome. Oh, Scrubbing so bubbles. Good. Nobody likes to clean the bathroom. Just you. I don't. I like cleaning the bathroom. Well then, it's uh, I wouldn't say I like it. I don't mind it. It's the uh, everyone wants the literal scrubbing bubble robots. Uh, the everyone scrubbing, wants them. The nano nano machines that are just, that we could just spray. Scrubbing yeah. bubbles are a lie. Also, sea monkeys. P.S. Those yeah. are two things I thought as a kid that I was really <laughs> excited to get and was very disappointed in action. <laughs> They're not primates at all. <laughs> Question five. Just shrimp. What's a movie or TV show you think everyone should watch? 
Come Play 2020 captivates the type of horror that I would like more of. I want less jump scares. Red Tails and Hidden Figures were informative for their events. Interesting. Come Play from 2020. It sounds so familiar. It's a I horror movie. It does I, sound familiar. I know familiar. I didn't see it. It's uh, a movie that came out in 2020. What year? Weird. What, what month was it? <laughs> Lonely and desperate for a friend, young Oliver is constantly glued to his tablet and smartphone. However, his precious screen time takes a horrifying turn when a gruesome monster uses his devices to enter the world. Fuck, that sounds cool. That sounds like yeah, Black got, Mirror exorcism yeah, stuff. Jillian Jacobs. Well, from, I like Jillian uh, Jacobs. She's great. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, we appreciate you sending in your answers. If you would like to answer our five questions, you can send your answers to five questions at geekswithoutgod.com. You can send them to five questions or five questions, however you interpret the way I'm saying those two things. <laughs> also, if you've sent in your five answers and you don't have a Geeks Without God sticker, just send us an email uh, and we'll get you a sticker mailed out. We need your address, obviously, because I can't mail things to nowhere. I can't just write your name on it. Email stickers. You, you, nope. you, you, you can. It's just, it's not going to be very productive. It's not going to go anywhere. No. I don't the, think. The mail carrier is just going to be like, so I'll just leave this here? Yeah, she's just going to leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us as we discussed Good Omens. If you have anything to say, always let us know. We love to hear from you guys on Facebook. Uh, you can send us emails. You can send them to all at geeks.god or to either of us individually, if that's what you'd prefer to keep it on the DL. Yeah. And, uh, We'll see you next Tuesday. Goodbye. Bye. An omniscient being is ineffable. And your mom is uneffable. Ha! We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. Need more geeks without God? Go to our website, read our blog posts, find us on Facebook, you know, I completely forgot to mention, I thought there was some interesting, like, uh, commentary on Christian theology in, in this.